This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. This is the Football Roundup, energy sport's longest running football show. Each week our team of football writers and podcasters deliver their views on the weekend's action from Scotland, England and the wider world of football. With our panel bringing knowledge, insight and passion, you can be rest assured of quality from each episode of the Football Roundup. Hello and welcome to a new season of the Football Roundup, brought to you by the fine folks at Energy Sport. I'm your host Graeme Sinclair and with the first weekend of the Scottish League calendar all but over, it's time to review the action from the weekend in the Premiership and the lower leagues. Is the hope and optimism that comes with a fresh new season still there or has opening day disappointment reset expectations? I'm joined by three guests. First one up is Hart's very own Energy Sports correspondent, I imagine he's very, very happy. He's a regular of this show, Jimmy McIntosh. How are you feeling? Have you come down yet? Yeah, I mean, it was a, obviously a very good result on Saturday night. I was a wee bit embarrassed that they only beat them by one, to be honest. I'm not sure there's uh, much celebrating to be done. This Celtic team, as I'm sure we'll get on to, has, has many flaws, but a, a perfect start to the season, I think, as well. Wonderful. And with a new season, we'll be introducing some new faces into our podcast rotation. And we've just started it off with a completely not confusing thing at all. <laughs> We've got two people called Callum, and they're both supporting Celtic. So I think we'll use the last names instead. So it's a hello to Callum McCauley. Callum. Hello. And it's a hello to Callum Alden. Hi. How are we doing, guys? Welcome to the show. Are you happy to have your first appearance? Yeah, I'm I'm happy to have my first appearance. Just maybe not in these circumstances, but we'll, um, we'll, we'll fire on. A scary prospect that the first time you have his on is when you had to get on the Celtic boys to laugh at them. I know. There's a hierarchy at the top of energy sport. <laughs> Again, Celtic. Right. Uh, it would have been better not to have to complain uh, for the full first podcast I'm on, but let's do that. Complaining's better anyway. You get a uh, nice, it's, 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 it's more fun. It's, uh, it's a therapy yeah. session, not a podcast where you get you to. <laughs> Right. Before we get into the action, we have to start with a big question, like we always do. And the big question for you today is, with the return of fans, I want to know, what is the most you've ever looked forward to a game that you are attending? Jamie, it was your question, kind of, so I'd like to know from you first what you would say. Yeah, I came up with a question and uh, didn't really have an answer uh, at the at the time. Um, to be honest with you, if I was going on Saturday, I think that would have been been one to be honest I think that would have been up there um, but I'll give you Aberdeen at Pataudry the first day of uh, what season was that the, se- the last season Hearts were in the Premiership so 2019-20 yeah we were beating 3-2 mm. uh, love going up to Aberdeen great away day and uh, in August for a change we usually seem to get them in December we've been up a couple of times in, in, in the winter on uh, in the, I think 30th of December we've played them a couple of times now so uh, it was nice to go up in the summer, and uh, yeah, unfortunately we were beaten. But that was a, a game I was looking forward to. First day of the season and all that, good away day. Hmm. Uh, Molden, what would you say? Um, I'd have to say um, it was the old firm match. Um, it was twenty eighteen nineteen season. Celtic beat Rangers two one. It was um, I I just remember it was uh, James Forrest eighty sixth minute winner. Uh, and I just remember it was like great weather. Uh, we were we were sat next to uh, the away section, so that was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, 
and it's, I just remember it just being a great experience and I just remember being so excited for it because uh, we were given like these tickets by um, like my um, by my uncle and it was it was just a lot of fun Is that your first old firm game? Aye, yeah That's always good to be up there Aye What about you Macaulay, is it an old firm as well? Aye, I was scared he was going to steal my answer um, that was the Scott, the lead up final a year or two back mm-hmm. Uh, me and all my pals were going it was against Rangers uh, we all sat together so uh, that was good and it was probably the last good thing that happened to Celtic so <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a good day <laughs> Mine is actually probably the most recent because uh, I was lucky enough to get a ticket for the Scotland-Croatia game in, really? yeah in June uh, it was oh. my my uncle had four tickets but they went down to London and two of them got Covid what a shame uh, and they gave me my dad tickets. So it's just like that's, that's like I've been a couple of games as a press person last year, but there's nothing like going mm-hmm. to a game as a fan. And I was no, so pumped. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the biggest game I've ever been to. I think, and it's I think it's my dad's it's the biggest Scotland game he's been to. And he's sixty four years old, so it just shows right. how massive it is. Didn't go the way we wanted, but it was a correct. Well, of course, crack, it was a unbelievable day out. So yeah. I can't really complain about that. Nah, I mean at half time, you know, all that hope. Right. So. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't completely miserable. And it was a good atmosphere for 12,500 people. Mm. We'll move on and we'll start our look back at the weekend's action and there's nobody else we can start other than the Saturday evenings in Tyne Castle. As Hearts <sighs> kicked off the new season with a surprising 2-1 victory over Ange Postacoglu's New Look Celtic side. Gary McKay-Steven opened the scoring for Hearts before Anthony Ralston equalised for Celtic just after the half-time break. It looked like the points would be shared before John Suter's 18th minute header won the game for the Jambos. And it's now the first time that Celtic have lost an opening fixture since 1997. Jamie, I said there, surprise win for Hearts, but you alluded to it at the start, and you said the other day that you'd be embarrassed if Hearts didn't win this game, and they did. <laughs> I, well, well I, I, didn't, I didn't say didn't win, I said it would have been embarrassing if Hearts had lost. Celtic, Sorry. What I said. So, what made you think that? And then looking back now, what was like? What impressed you about the game from Hearts' perspective? And um, I'm not sure an awful lot impressed me about Hearts. To be honest, I thought Hearts were were pretty poor. Uh, they they started well, got the early goal. Obviously, the fans were behind them. You would expect Hearts to kind of come out the traps fast at Tynecastle with with five thousand fans behind them. Um, but then after they kind of got the goal, got themselves in front, they dropped a bit too deep for my liking. They let Celtic back into the game, as you mentioned, Anthony Ralston, not a, a very likely scorer. Um, but, you know, it's it's always the case with this Celtic team at the moment. They'll they'll give you a goal at some point, and, uh, and that's what they did. They gave away a cheap free kick, and from it, Scott Bain sort of comes off his line, then realises he's nowhere near it, tries to drop back. He's not in the middle of his goal. Um, John Suter's header is, you know, it's a, it's a good header. He gets his head on the ball. But it's not in the corner or anything. It's it's just kind of looped over Bain, who's still off his line, and uh, it was it was really poor goalkeeping, and it was a bit of a gift to be honest. Um, and just to kind of rub salt in the wounds, Craig Gordon made a couple of excellent saves in stoppage time. Um, kind of inevitable, really. Um, he's he's been excellent for Hearts since he's come in, but it did seem inevitable that he was going to make a couple of big saves if Hearts were going to get something from that game, and he did. Yeah, I was going to mention that Macaulay is that just the ultimate way to rub salt in the wounds having an ex-Celtic goalkeeper deny you a point Aye, I mean you're always used to Gordon uh, Gordon, I'm on a first name basis with him um, making messages but aye, it was just he's not even called Gordon, it's Craig Gordon Aye, <laughs> 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 it's called Craig Gordon 
But I mean, it annoys me when people talk about him. Should we have kept him? Because when he left Celtic, he was the upper. Cho- he was our third choice, and you get the same conversation all the time, like about Semenovic, about Spiedjenko, and that. I think it just shows Celtic's poor recruitment that we are still looking back at these players. Um, and obviously, I mean, Bain's sort of the opposition for the Argos didn't really help either. Uh, but it was just a typical Celtic performance right now. Yes. Uh, you could mention... The defensive injury, not defensive injury, the uh, Starfelt's howler as well. Um, oh. He's coming in, you'd expect him to sort of steady it or something. Like, that's expected. And he's kind of just done what we've expected. Every other defender to do. Yeah, you can like mention Craig Gordon saving the points, but it's Jamie Alloud. Like Hearts did they play that great, and yet they still got a win. Normally, the sentences have to have the old firm play bad and Hearts play amazing. That like, that wasn't the case. Well, then what went wrong for like for Celtic other than everything? Like give us more detail. <laughs> um, it's it's hard to put because it's just it's what happens like every week for Celtic. It's uh, you know we uh, we have plenty of shots. We had I can't even remember how many shots we had. It was I think it was close to around twenty, um, and we we just couldn't like bury it, bury any. Like we skied so many of them, and then um, it was a poor defensive display. I, I have to give I have to give Starfelt some slack because like you know he uh, he only met up with the team I think like a day or two before, and um, and it's, like he pro- he was probably a bit like nervous about his first game stuff like that. Uh, it's just, but it's still, it's still not good enough from Celtic going into this new season. Uh, this was something like that would have given uh, the team a lot of confidence if they got a win from this. I was, I, I was feeling a bit com- quite confident going into it because I've, I've liked what Postecoglou was doing. Um, I felt we were um, a bit unfortunate in the in the Midland game, but um, but I feel I felt like we were going into a season into the season okay, but it just shows that we need to bring in some new players. We've uh, we need a, like accessing while Ralston was it was very good that game. I feel um, is we still need a, a like a a better right back because he's our only right back at the club right now. And if um, Julien's still got some time to come, uh, and we've got Greg Taylor on the left, and I, th- I think we it's just not good enough. Um, back and we're about to lose Edward as well, so we need to bolster our, our attack as well. It's um, it's just it's just not good enough right now. You might have lost. I think you might have lost Edward already. If I've been watching the last two games, like I have, it seems like he's kind of mentally gone anyway. Even though his physical mm. body's still there. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's it. I think he. I think he's his mind's in Brighton already. Like it's just, it's just not. Um, he just doesn't have any desire to play for Celtic right now. And Celtic's a club where it's um, you know, you have to want to be at that club. Like it's it's one of um. It's it's such like a, um, I don't know, like a for for the fans especially, it's 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 quite like a spiritual kind of thing where it's like, you if you're at Celtic, you're a part of Celtic, and you have to be, um, you have to follow like actually be, like a supporter of the club, um, as well. But it just I just feel like he's he's seeing it as a step up, and I mean fair enough, you know he's going to go to the Premier League, he's going to make good money. But he needs. I feel he needs to put like the focus into his time at Celtic right now because he's not in Brighton yet. He's not in a Brighton shirt. Yeah, exactly. The bright lights of Brighton. <laughs> 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 well, 
as opposed to the disco lights of Parkhead. <laughs> <laughs> the switch on the lazy Edward to somebody that worked their socks off and probably was the most impressive player on the pitch, Jamie. Uh, Benny Banningami, is that how you pronounce it? I'm should I pretend I pronunciation? Be- well, I'm, I'm not sure either, to be fair. I believe it's Banningami. I saw a tweet that was the, emph- the emphasis was on the kind of middle part of his name, so it was a Banningami. We should, I think. It's a name we should probably start to learn because if he can produce like he did on Saturday, then he's going to be a star, isn't he? Yeah, he was excellent. Um, I, I watched sports scene this morning. Uh, Stephen Naismith was on it last night and, and was kind of saying that he'd, he'd kind of just come in the door, hadn't had a lot of pre-season, uh, pre-season minutes. He'd been training with the Everton first team until they went to Florida, but he hadn't played a lot of game time. And obviously, as we know, there's nothing quite like uh, being on the pitch in an actual game as opposed to training games or pre-season games or whatever. So coming into that on your debut against a, a team like Celtic is is very impressive. Um, I thought that Robbie Nielsen was was getting a lot of stick from Hearts fans, um, kind of during the game for for dropping too deep, and I, I completely agree with that. I think that's fair, but I think he deserves some credit because I thought his changes changed the changed the game, and I thought Hearts finished strong in the last kind of fifteen minutes or so. We brought Peter Haring on, we went for three in the middle to match up Celtic, and uh, I thought it worked because in the first half Celtic were getting a lot of joy. I thought Callum McGregor was excellent in the first half. I thought he picked up some very good positions in the middle of the park, and that was largely due to the fact that Celtic had an extra man. Um, they were kind of finding spaces in behind the Hearts midfield and in front of the, the Hearts defence, and that was where they were kind of causing Hearts, Hearts problems when they were in possession. But I didn't think they really did an awful lot to test Craig Gordon, to be honest. And I think once Haring kind of came on and provided that third man in midfield for Hearts, I thought we finished strong. And... Uh, Kind of, uh, I felt more comfortable. I thought we had more control of the match in the kind of fifteen final fifteen minutes and uh, finished strong and obviously got the winner. Macaulay, I'm sure you're devastated by the result and the, annoyed by the performance. But are there some positive you can take from that match? And I guess more to extend it from the early signs of Postecoglou, if you can't take it from Saturday. Um, I mean, I feel like any positives you're going to take from it will be a bit of a reach. Um. I can't, not much. I mean, we got to go wrongly disallowed. Um, but then you're still reaching there. Like, any refereeing decisions, I thought it was a very bad performance. I, I don't think he's getting a message that Operation Stop the Ten has been completed from the managers. Um, but you cannot go into that because we're Celtic. We should still be, even with poor refereeing decisions, we still should be able to dispose of a deadly team like Hearts. <laughs> so no, I think is I'm not even going to bother trying to find any positives from it. Um, I'll let see if Muldoon will do any of that. But no, I just I don't not get anything positive. See about that. Anything bright, Muldoon? I think I, th- I think we weren't as bad as we normally are because I think it, we were. It wasn't a great performance, but I, I did see some promise like from the midfield, like um, like Jimmy said about um, McGregor. Uh, he he had some good he had some good runs. Um, like it's was, it was good. Like we had some good build up play, but it's just we couldn't get on the final ball. Um, I think everything in the middle like it would work in in a better Celtic team, but it's just right. Um, but defensively, it's just not up to par, and at, um, and that final ball I, I think just needs a lot of work. But that's been a problem for Celtic for so long. Like even even during um, the nine in a row, like we had problems with uh, finishing our shots um 
and it's uh, and I, I, I don't know what uh, what it is because it, it goes back to like um, when De- even when Musa Dembele was at the club, it was um, it just seems like we can't um, uh, supply. Well, we, like our supplying is fine, but it's just that we can't actually finish the job. Um, but yeah, I think our midfield um, it it has shows a lot of promise. For Hashi was only on the park for like I think it was like 20, 20 minutes, fifteen minutes, and he only met up the squad that morning. And um, I, I'm excited to see more of him. But I think where um, we just need to, we I think the where we need to build up is clear, uh, and it's up to the board to supply Postecoglou with um, with the funds to do that. So to take on Czech side Jablonek in the Europa League on Thursday at uh, 4.45 in the evening. I think Jamie noted it's not on the television note. If they get through, they'll play Aida Dalkmar in the playoff round, which is the last one before the group stages. That should be a fairly sh- comfortable win on Thursday, should it not? Or at least the tie should be comfortable. Or at this stage, are we still concerned that Celtic can't win at all? I think... Yes. I think well, well, that's thing. <laughs> I think um, we we should win it, but that's thing. Games that we should win, we don't like. We we don't end up doing. It's um, but I think with Jablonek, it's Celtic should have that in the bag, and then Easy Altmar. They're a bit of a tougher challenge. Um, and uh, the, the Dutch side do are like a, like quite a good um side, but I think overall Celtic are the better side in those two games, and um, it just. It it just depends that if they show up. Yes, McCall, you said that you expect them to get beat. Did you there? Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I just don't think. I feel bad, but Ange, 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 because I mean, he's getting slated right now, and I don't support his appointment. But like Eddie Howe wouldn't have been able to do anything with this Celtic team right now. Like the ball mm. could just. We had so long to prepare for these guys right now and this season, and we haven't done so. It's quite mental, but I'm not surprised at all. But I've kind of aged out. I'm not going to pretend I know anything about Jablonic, but aged out. I mean, I'm I'm expecting to be in the Conference League next year. If that's if that's your, if that's what I leave this, I don't know. I'm not I'm not very hopeful for that Altmar game. I'm not going to lie. Oh well. Oh. I think we'll move on from the end your suffering. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> we'll head to Ibrox, Ibrox now as Champion Rangers open their season with a comfortable 3-0 victory over Livingston in front of 23,000 fans. Goals from Yanis Hadji, Scott Wright and Kamar Roof were more than enough for Rangers in a game in which they rested five starters ahead of Tuesday's massive Champions League tie versus Malmo. Livingston, on the other hand, only managed two shots in the entire game. Jamie, it wasn't the best Rangers we've seen on Saturday, but to do that and still win 3-0, does that just show how daunting it is and how hard it is going to be for everybody else in the league? Yeah, I think you're right. I think comfortable is the right word to describe it as well. Rangers, this this, this was their first competitive game, obviously. You know, you look at even teams like Hearts or other teams in the SPL that you've maybe watched Motherwell yesterday, Hibs, Aberdeen, you know, they've all had competitive games now, whether it's in Europe or in the, the Premier Sports Cup, but that was Rangers' first competitive action, so... And I think you could see that. I think there was times in the, particularly kind of early in the second half, I thought until they got the second goal, where the fans were a wee bit agitated, and you know that second goal from Scott Wright kind of settled them down. There was never any doubt that they were not going to win the game after they got in front, as you say, Livingston rarely threatened. But I don't know. I just think it's going to take time, obviously, to get up to get up to speed. But that's a comfortable win for Rangers, and 
um, in a game where they never really got out of second gear ahead of Tuesday. That's a, a perfect way to go in with uh, three points and a clean sheet. Yeah, I have it down in my notes here. Tavernier, bad but good. And I think that, for me, is what the Rangers' performance was. It was a five, six out of ten at best. And Tavernier was like the kind of biggest indicator that he didn't have his best performance. He's crossing us off. He lost the ball. It looked a bit out of place defensively, even though he didn't threaten. And yet he ended up with two assists, which is just kind of what happens with the Rangers. That's the quality of player we have, that even on their worst day, they can still produce the goods. I'm with you. I think they started excellent. I think they were fired up to have the fans and the atmosphere was excellent. And they finished well. But it was sloppy in the kind of middle phase of the game. And Gerard alluded to that afterwards. But I think it's completely understandable. Like you mentioned it, Jamie. It's the first game competitively that's going to happen. Uh, if you're having a bad performance or not the best performance when you're coming away with a 3 victory, it's what Celtic were doing for years back in the good old days. Um, so, I. I think you should be happy enough with that. Uh right. goal by Scott Reid as well. Um, so I think they're doing all right right now with all those mm-hmm. people rested as well. Cool. Uh, Rangers had two new signings played in this game. Fashion Sakala started, uh, didn't really do much, whereas John Lundstrom came off the bench and thought it provided, I thought it provided a lot of energy. Rangers haven't really actually signed anyone so far. They've not spent any money. But... Do they really need to with the squad they have? More than that's it. I don't think so because it's like there's like you know they couldn't really get much like they couldn't really improve much upon like last season, and it's um there there's a I don't know I think when once you have like an invincible season it's quite hard to like try and fix and fill in the gaps because what gaps are there, and it's um. It's just about tightening it even more, and um, but I think the new because you know um, like Celtic were having their rebuild, so I, I'm expecting a bit more of a challenge. But it looks like I don't know if that's going to happen this year. But um, yeah, I think I think Rangers have uh, have set themselves up quite well this year. It's, it's, it hurts to say, but like, I don't see um, much stopping them. So I, think, I, think I think that's a good point. I just quickly jump in there. I think that's I think that's a good point. I think Rangers do have an opportunity now to be kind of quite shrewd with their business and not tight. That's not the right choice of word. But when mm. Rangers were out the leagues, I didn't think Celtic Celtic should have been able to build up a, a massive gap so that when kind of Rangers got themselves back up, Rangers didn't really have much of a right to win the title last year for me personally. I, I think Celtic mm. should have been able to build up much more of a kind of a gap for, for Rangers to bridge in the top flight. And I know they've been back up for a couple of years and Steven Gerrard did very well and there was signs of progression under Steven Gerrard. That's why he was still in a job. And Postacoglu mm-hmm. might have a different story on his hands now than Steven Gerrard did when he first walked in the doors at Ibrox. But I think there's a definitely a chance now for Rangers to be quite shrewd with their business. They don't need to be rash in the in the transfer market and go and spend big money on on gambles or anything. They can be a bit more picky and choosy, if you like. A bit more selective, actually, is the word, um, mm-hmm. with their signings now, because I, I don't see anything coming from Celtic this season to worry them this season, and possibly even next. If Rangers can look from when Celtic's invincible season in 16-17, the Celtic ball kind of just tried to get away with the bare minimum since then. They didn't sort of push on and extend the gap between the two clubs, and then it came back to bite them massively for what we've just seen last season. So... I mean, Rangers, if they get Champions League this season, I think that's massive because that can help or sort out any possible financial troubles that obviously 
they're not really feeling at all. And then I think I think they do need to. I do think it would help a lot for the next season's coming as they sell some of these players if they still bought one or two people to improve the possessions that they're already they're already very strong in. Um, just to make sure, like, just to keep that distance as big as possible between the two clubs. We'll get on to the Rangers Mammal game tomorrow a bit, but we should mention Livy first. And for me, it was a very, very worrying performance. I know it's against Rangers, you don't expect anything. But the way they played and their just complete inability to create anything and also didn't really, really look that secure at the back would be a bit of a worry. Mugden, what are your expectations for Livy this season? I, I, well, that's saying that performance was really worrying. They had, what was it, two shots? Yeah. It's um, like just offensively, they just did not look like they were getting ready. And again, opening game of the season and against a, a side like Rangers, you'd expect them to throw everything at them like in an in attempt to pick up something. But honestly, it's I, I don't know. It's I it's, it, I just I'm worried about them. Like they, I was impressed with them last season, but oh, it's I don't know. It's uh, I'm just fe- thinking um, it's going to be a tough year for them. Yeah, I agree. Well, before we move on, we should have mentioned that Rangers play Malmo tomorrow. They travel to Sweden for the first leg of their Champions League tie. What What are the expectations for Rangers tomorrow? Uh, should it be a tie that they'll come through on? Or is it going to be tougher than people expect? Well, Macaulay, last year in that one. Well, I think it's quite a tough tie, but I think Rangers will I think they'll see it through. Um, Rangers have always managed to pull through in Europe, um, pull off the results that they're not always expected to. So I do think that I do think we'll see Rangers in the next round. Yeah, I would say. I would. I would. I've said to my powers that I am slightly. Like, I'm, not, I'm not concerned we'll lose. I'm fearful of the game because it's such a massive game, but I'm confident we'll win. Like, I'm not writing Malmo off. I think a team that are champions must have something about them, but our quality should be good enough to get past them in that round. That, that's the way I'm feeling. Is that kind of how you guys are feeling as well? Yeah, I, the last thing is, like, I don't see Malmo being like a team that's obviously going to challenge Rangers that bad. Like, I think they will, all, uh, of course, be difficult side but um but I, I i think rangers right now they're like the quality that they've got um sad to say is is too much for them and but that's saying but it's they've got they've got another game to come uh if they get past this they've got uh olympiacos or ludogorets i think that's a, a tougher game and i think they might meet meet their match but on but i think malmo might um it might not be enough yeah, I'd say that's fair. I'd say Olympiacos, if they go through, will politely be favourites against Rangers. But Rangers have surprised us in Europe before, so hopefully they can do that again. Right. Back to the Scottish Premiership now, and we'll go to on to the game that was the last game of the weekend. It was a cracker, as Hibs came from behind twice to beat Motherwell at Fir Park in front of 6,500 fans. I mentioned their fans for some of these games, because it's just so good to have them back. The impressive-looking Kevin Van Veen and Beavis McGabby both put Motherwell ahead but Hibs responding each time. Kevin McGuinness and Christian Dodge got equalisers before Kevin, Kevin Nisbet scored a penalty to win the game for Hibs. It's a fifth successive opening day victory for Hibs uh, in a row. And I think what I would say about this game, it was a great game overall. I think we should just talk about it. It's a fantastic advertisement for the game. And it was great that we had a game on Sky between two teams that weren't on the old firm. And it was an enjoyable encounter. But it was a gutsy performance from Hibs, wasn't it? Yeah, I that's saying it's it was like like you said it was a very good game, it, uh, very back and forth, um, 
I think like Hib showed some promise in that game. Uh, they showed that they like have enough what it can take. Um, they have what it takes to um, uh, to challenge right up there. Um, you know, with with Celtic performing badly, you know who knows. So you'd say you'd say that they have to have a chance of second. I I don't I don't want to say that, but. Like it's it just depends on the rest of the season. You know, we're one game in. Uh, hopefully, Celtic can make their comeback. But uh, Hibs right now are looking better. Um, but it's you know, but it's a long way to go. Long, long way to go. Um, but I think because you know, I've spoken to a few Hibs fans. They that's that's what their hope is for the season. Because um, that's I know Aberdeen are looking good as well. So that they might cancel each other out. Um, I mean, it, it, realistically, I, I'd say. Um, I'll see Celtic finish second, um, and then probably I'd see like it'd be a, a Hibs or Aberdeen third or, and fourth. But I, I cannot tell who's going to fit, um, who's going to take the third, and who's going to take the fourth. Jay, we were very negative. Well, Stuart and I, we were very negative about Motherwell and their prospects this season because of the poor European run, not European, the Premier Sports Cup run, and we didn't think their signs were that great. Did this, this, that's a good, that's a pretty good showing for them. I thought they performed better than they expected, and I thought Kevin Van Veen looked unbelievable. Does it change your kind of hopes from other world seasons? Yeah, um, you know, I think they were unlucky to lose. To be honest, it's yeah, always harsh right. when you lose to the penalty spot. Um, you know, it was Boyle that took it. By the way, it wasn't Nisbet? Um, so Boyle, sorry, the, my bad. Yeah, Boyle does pass. Oh, yeah. Um, the, you know, the, the best team won. I think it was better on the day, but Motherwell did show enough for me. Um, to just slightly maybe think uh, make, make me think that they might do a little better than I originally thought um, Liam Kelly as well came up a very good save to deny Jamie Murphy at one point as well I think he's going to be a good addition in the sticks as well I think these are obviously the positions that um, you need to be strong I think Celtic are probably going to show us that throughout the season um, so I think Van Veen up front and, and Liam Kelly in goals they looked okay in the middle of the park I thought as well a couple of new signings in there as well I thought looked okay um, so I think they uh, they should enough to suggest that if they play like that for the majority of the season they'll probably be okay. Yeah, I thought, I thought very similar to you. I thought they were struggled for creativity between the midfield and I thought other than the two, I thought Kane Lurie was quite poor and I thought Cali uh, Slattery, the boyfriend said Anton, didn't show off much. But Kevin Van Veen especially, I thought after your boy at Hearts, Benny, I thought Van Veen was the best looking new signing of, of the weekend. I think he's a couple of ridiculous runs that I just didn't expect. I read up a little yeah. bit about him. I thought when they get a, a big physical kind of motherly traditional striker, and he had a lot of that. He actually produced quite a lot of skill. He had an amazing run on the left hand side in the second half. Yeah, well. a couple of balls up to him as well that I thought he brought down really well, and a couple of nice turns and that. And I thought for a, a big guy, I thought he was uh, he he looked quite uh, quite good with the ball at his feet. So I think he's going to be a very good addition for Motherwell. Yeah. Yeah. Back to Hibs, and we should mention something that happened before the game, and that's that Josh Doig is likely on his way to England. He was left out of the squad for the game yesterday, and it looks as though it's going to be Burnley or Watford and Nottingham Forest are going to sign him for £4 million. No doubt a terrific bit of business for Hibs to get with Macaulay. How much of a loss will Josh Doig be for Hibs? Aye, I mean, he's been a great player. Uh, he's... What age is he? He's quite young, isn't he? Is he only 19? Yeah. I think he is. He's 19, so obviously a lot of potential with stuff like that, but I think that is expected by a lot of Scottish clubs. Um, if you get these players, you're not always fully going to see them reach their peak, so I think it was a matter of time, and if we can get someone in to replace him in that time, then I think it 
it's a shame, but it's, it's a good enough deal. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It looks like Hibs are going to get four million for him, um, and it's. I think for Hibs, like they'll they'll take that. Like it's like it'll be a shame. It, they'll they'll miss him, but I think four million is um, is something they can't really say no to. And I think for him, it will be a, a great move because it's um, going to Watford or Burnley. Um, he'll get some. Hopefully, he'll get uh, first team football there. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's a good step in his career, and I feel um, like it. I think both sides will be happy with uh, with the move. Yeah, I, guess I think as well for Hibs, you have to say that Louis Stevenson will not. It's not just Doyle's level. He's always been fairly solid for Hibernian, so mm. they've got something reliable. They probably don't need to replace Josh Doyle straight away, and it gives them four million in the bank for a Hibs side. I think it's already got tremendous depth. And mm-hmm. some top end quality, so just a pretty great move all around. Next up for Hibs, they have their in Europa Conference League action and they'll take on Croatian side at Rijeka. How do we rate Hibs' chances on Thursday? It's a tough call because uh, Rijeka are a very like tough side. Of, um... They went to the group stages last year as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, they'll be a tough side, but I think Hibs are. I think Hibs are a good enough side to cause an upset, but I think in terms of like um, like re- uh, realistic like realistically, I I think chances are Rieka would take it, but I I I'd like to see Hibs uh, go well because I like uh, I like seeing Scottish teams do well in Europe. Um, but I think I think um, I think Rieka might do it, but you know fingers crossed for Hibs. Hibs can qualify, they will have a tough test that they'll play mm-hmm. Pyok of Greece. Next up, we're going to move up to the north end of Scotland as Stephen Glass's New Look Aberdeen continued their exciting start to the season with a dominant 2 win over Dundee United and their new manager, Tam Courts. Johnny Hayes and Christian Ramirez are on target for the Dons. It's been a couple of weeks since the new season, and although we saw Stephen Glass last season, we're mightily impressed by New Aberdeen so far, aren't we, Macaulay? Aye, that's a great result there. Um, I mean, especially in the mid-ends, he's come in as well. Uh, two goals in three games is as good a start as you can hope for. Um, and they're looking very strong now. The Dundee United didn't really set up well, I thought. It seemed like they sort of played for a draw and then they just weren't able to get it. Um, that I forget his name now. Is he called Ramsey? Calvin Ramsey, yeah, 17-year-old. Aye, brilliant assist there for him. Um, so hopefully that's a start to the season that he can just go on for from now on. Yeah, uh, particularly I, I would mention that the first goal is horrendous defending from Dundee United. Just Johnny Hughes in just absolute acres of space. And I think from a Dundee United side that they don't have high hopes for, they will be relying on defensive solidarity or solidity because last season they didn't provide much in the way of a goal-scoring threat and didn't really show much of a goal-scoring threat for the day. But sticking with Aberdeen because it's a more exciting thing to talk about. Macaulay mentioned Christian Ramirez, but we're doing this. Other signings from Aberdeen so far seem to be having a massive impact, don't they? I I think um, with Scott Brown, um, he's um, he's walked into the team and I think his presence has just <laughs> lifted the, uh, the side. Um, but, uh, but not just him, I think... Um, They've made some uh, Aberdeen's made some really good deals. Um, was it there was Emmanuel Thomas? He I think he was really good. Um, 
other night. Uh, the other night, mm-hmm. um, I think I think Aberdeen have uh, had one of the best or one of the best sides this season for transfers. Because um, once again, with like Ramirez, um, like he, uh, he's just a great player, um, and I think Aberdeen are, are one of the more exciting teams to look at this season. Um, so it, it'll be good to watch them uh, this coming year. Yeah, Jamie, I, be, I asked you about Motherwell and they're, them looking much better than we perhaps expected. Completely different story for Dundee United, isn't it? They looked horrendous. Yeah, you know, I, I was very vocal about Dundee United last season. I thought they were awful and I thought if it wasn't for Benjamin Seagus last season, they would have got relegated. And yeah, you know, you, you spoke about kind of defensive solidity being the key because, again, they didn't, uh, didn't offer much yesterday and... I know they had that very big win over uh, Elgin, I think it was, in the League Cup. Um, but other than that, they've kind of just had 1-0s against kind of East Fife and, and Kelty Hearts and Arbroath. So I think goals are going to be a, a problem again for, for United this season. Um, and, yeah, you know, I think they're, they're going to be down there for sure. Yeah, Aberdeen are in Europa League Conference League action on Thursday. They, they thought they would play Austria Vienna, but they actually they were upset by the Icelandic side at Breedablik. Uh, so with that upset, should we expect an Aberdeen to have the most comfortable path through into the next round, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, they they've had a uh, they had a really good win um, against who was it again? Haken from speaking. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that 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 five one win um, like just showed how much quality they've got in that squad. I think that was a perfect example of what Aberdeen can do, and um, I th- I I think though. Um, though I think I I think they're one of the best uh, teams to make it to like the group stage. I think they've got the best chance of doing that out of uh, any of the Scottish sides. Yeah, they play Limassol or Carabag in the next round. They get through, which mm. Carabag are a name everybody knows, but maybe not the same kind of quality as they have been in previous seasons. Okay. Nah, I think the teams teams like that. I think is it's often the the kind of travel that is the, yes the problem um, more than anything else you know you're travelling halfway across Europe to, I remember you know Celtic have played a, a few um, kind of dodgy dodgy teams have been to Karabag I feel like they've been to Ala, Ala, Astana Kazakhstan Alash Astana Kazakhstan Alashka or Armenia Armenia yeah that's right Aye. They, I feel like they've been all over though playing uh, had some really mm-hmm. kind of tough ties in the qualifiers journey wise that is um but yeah, I think that they're not quite as good as the side that was in the Champions League group stages. I seem to remember Chelsea played them just a couple of years mm. ago, I think, to be honest. I don't think that was long ago at all. So they're, they're no mugs, but I think a lot of the time the, the journey can be the, the hardest part of a tie like that. Yeah. Aye. Alright, well, we'll move on to the next game in our, in our rundown of the fixtures. And it was a cracker, another one. It's been a great weekend for the for Scottish football. Newly promoted Dundee managed to earn a point against St Mirren on their return to the top flight despite deciding a controversial penalty and going down to 10 men. Eamon Brophy and Jimmy McGrath put St Mirren ahead twice but a Shaughnessy on goal and Jason Cummings got Dundee level before Max Anderson was sent off for an assassination as the BBC put it. I don't know if it is. Have you seen Max Anderson sending off? Somebody just... I have. Uh... How funny is it? <laughs> <laughs> It's just see, at, first, at first I thought it was like a tactical foul. I thought I was surprised in the red, but see when you actually see the aggression, he goes in with some that I hated in his face there. And just <laughs> hammers him. So aye, a definite red card there. Yeah, it's Malice a ta- behind the tackle. It's, it's not a tactical foul, it's just a 
really, really bad tactical film. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I've got high hopes for Dundee, but given the nature of this game, Jamie, Dundee will be happier of the two to get a point. Um, no? I don't know. Like, I, I, well, if you look at the penalty that Saint Mirren got, I, I'm not sure it was a penalty. Dundee scored a, a goal from a set piece, and then Cummings scored on the end of a nice move up the left. So, I don't know. I think Dundee might feel a wee bit aggrieved that they never got three points, to be honest. Um, but you know, it's a solid start, and I actually said to you, I actually said to you that Dundee's starting eleven was was literally just one that that played last season. So, you know, if they can get a couple of additions in that starting eleven, then I see no reason why they can't push for for the top six. I think both these sides will be. Um, pushing for that sixth spot because I think your top five is probably um, just about set in stone anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's probably these these two are probably in a tier, maybe on their own to be honest with you, uh, and they have an outside chance of top six, but probably safe for relegation. Maybe that's yeah, a bit premature for Dundee. Mm-hmm. I was just kind no, of I, I was, was kind of just sort of they had they got had Max Anderson set off, and there was still a fairly fairly sizable portion of the game left, so I thought. Dundee would probably be mighty happy just to get on the board. Yeah, no, no, you're right, you're right. I mean, they could have easily lost that game towards the end, going down to ten men. But I think uh, I see, I see what you mean. I think James McTake will be pleased to take a point in the end. But I think just before that red card, you know, Cummings' goal was I think ten minutes prior to the red card, and I, I just think Dundee kind of had the momentum at that point. So I think uh, you know, kind of before that red card, they're thinking, oh, we can go and get all three here, and then obviously go down to 10 men but yeah probably the fair result I think is, is fair enough it seemed like a pretty even game yeah I'm not, I'm not suggesting Modern that Sitmerin should be, shouldn't be gutted they haven't won this game there were lots of positive signs of them in particular I would say even Brophy get on the goal scoring the goal the goal sheet <laughs> uh, would be Aye. massive for them I I think I think um, Sitmerin showed some uh, some signs of promise for the season um, you know but of course there's um thing about Jamie McGrath um, like he he looks like he, he might be leaving uh, St Mirren this season and of course he was on he was on the goal sheet this as well um, while it was just a penalty like he's always he's always going to show quality for that uh, for that side and I, th- I think um, it just depends on how St Mirren deal with uh, deal with that and if they bring some uh, bring someone in uh, after he leaves I don't know how certain it is that McGrath is going to go but um, I think the success of their season might depend on that, but I think yeah, I don't think they're going uh, they're going to be big risks for relegation uh, this year. Um, I think it, they're they'll be they'll be steady and you know a good season. I think they'll be they'll break into the top six, but you know they'll, uh, I think they'll they'll be about mid table. Yeah. Uh, Jim Goodman said after this game that there have been umpteen offers for Jim McGaff, but mm. that he was hopeful that he would be to keep them. He would get to keep. Him and his squad, Macaulay. How much of St. Mirren's season is weighted in the fact that they can keep Jim McGrath? I'm not gonna lie, I'm the wrong person to ask. You're the wrong person to ask. <laughs> Jamie, you're, you're the expert on the minnows, then, Jamie. Well, it, he signed a two and a half year deal, obviously in January 2020. So he's going to be contracted until next summer. This is 2021, isn't it? Yeah. So next yes. summer he's going to be contracted until. So you know, if St. Mirren can get some money for him you know he's not going to leave on a free this summer so this is where this is where it's a bit risky for teams right because say he doesn't leave this summer but then he doesn't doesn't agree a new deal or anything so 
then they're right, well, we can either sell him in January and try and get some money, or then the potential is there for him to leave on a free next summer. So, or the summer after, yeah, next summer. So, I don't know, it's it's a it's a risky one. I think if St. Mirren sold him and got some money for him, that would be absolutely fine, because for teams like St. Mirren in the, the bottom six of the SPL, really, um, is not the worst thing in the world if you can sell a player on for some money. Yeah, that's well, I'll, I'll settles for that game we'll move on to the final game we've got to cover in the Scottish Premiership and there's not a whole lot to say about it but Ross County and St Johnson steered the points in a 0-0 draw up in the Highlands although Alan McCann did miss a penalty for St Johnston what takeaways can we have from this game we'll do and I'd say particularly for Ross County it seems like that's a pretty positive start for the team that most are tipping for relegation I think I think it was uh, a not bad start for uh, for Ross County. You know, it's um, well there was not much going on uh, in that game. I think they're um, they set themselves up for an okay start uh, against like St Johnson, who we all know uh, did great things last season. Um, I th- I think yeah they certainly couldn't have. Um, uh, like done much better, and it, like like St Johnson had their missed penalty, um, and I think you know they kind of. It, I think that was the only thing that they really like blew. For, um, like I think Ross County kind of got lucky from that, but in terms of um, the game, I think Ross County did it uh, did all right because uh, they're probably the favourites to go down this season. But you know, so just a, 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 not a wasn't it wasn't a negative start, but definitely. Um, I wouldn't class it as a super positive one, but, you know, it's not too bad. There's not really much else we can say in this game. I think what we, I'm more excited to do is talk about St Johnston's tie on Thursday, Jamie. Galatasaray away from Holland doesn't get much better for a club the size of St Johnston, does it? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I'm just quite gutted that the fans can't go because Christ, Galatasaray away would be uh, something else for the, the mighty Perth boys. So, uh, I'm not sure how they would fare over there but that would be quite some trip I reckon so a wee bit guide for them because but having said that you know there's no reason why they can't get into Europe again next season so who knows they might get a trip away next summer uh, but yeah Galatasaray on Thursday before uh, I think it's Motherwell they host and then obviously the return leg before they go up to, Ga- uh, up to Arbroath up to Gayfield so that's quite a turn of events Galatasaray to Arbroath The odds are stacked <laughs> against them but Galatasaray they're a massive name but maybe not the same team yeah they're not very good anymore I don't think uh, and uh, St St. Johnson's style of play is one that I think could give them a fighting chance does anyone give them any chance of getting something and getting through this tie or is it just I I don't see them getting through the tie but I think I I could see them giving them a good game like giving them a a shock like in a leg or something like um, if they could I think if they scored against Galatasaray that that would make that would like make their fans uh, quite happy because Galatasaray are just one of those sides that like everyone knows, and I think um, for uh, for just to get to this point and to play this game is a big thing for St Johnson in general. So I think they're just uh, I think you know they'll be happy just to be there, but um, I I can see them get, uh, giving Galatasaray a scare. I, I don't I couldn't say that they'd go through, but you know it'll uh, I think it'll be a good game to watch. You know what? Why? It's, I think that's the not a game in Premier Sports either on Thursday, which I think is a disgrace. That should be the game that's on TV. Mm, rubbish, eh? I'm going to predict it. But they're going through. Aye, fuck it. St. Johnson for the Why not? They're going to win. <laughs> Scottish <laughs> have done that tonight. And 
Tottenham have no Harry Kane. They're the favourites. Tottenham have no Harry Kane. St. Johnson exactly. will win the whole Conference League. I think that sums up. I think that wraps us up for the Premiership. Won't take quite as long, but we should mention some of the notable things that happened in the Championship. And there's nowhere else you can go but Starts Park. As Hamilton Aki's were down four 0 to Raith Rovers with 22 minutes left. You know what? They only managed to get a four four draw. (laughs) It's the I don't have. I don't know. I didn't even know what question to ask here. It's just like what the fuck. It's like, I just want to mention that my cousin Lewis Smith did get the assist for the, the 4 4, so I am claiming this result. We I, I contributed to this with my family, so I did. Just I think I think a lot of people that were reading this result come through thought, oh my god, Brian Reese needs to go now. Yeah. Since he came, with him coming back to 4 4, does that change your opinion? Or is it more still, they were down 4 0 in the first game of the season. This man needs, it needs to be sacked. Manager of the month now, isn't he? I mean, Imagine that's pretty impressive. <laughs> first, first game of the season. I've already mentioned that a manager should be sacked. <laughs> can't have it anywhere. I'm sorry, they're they're awful. almost lost to Albion Rovers in the in the Premier Sports Cup. It's not good. They well, lost to Air as well. Like fucking hell. No, who's just Air that Mills But that's that's the thing about the uh, about Wraith Rovers, like. Hamilton's goals weren't even like none of them even came early on in the second half. Like the first goal was in the sixty eighth minute. There was twenty. They scored all of their goals in about twenty four minutes. It's like conceding four in twenty four minutes is just like no matter who you are, like it's just not good enough for um, for it. Yeah, I think yeah. It's, it's not very John McGlynn. John McGlynn says usually very well drilled, very well organised at the back, and they were very for rarely. Well, yeah, it's a fair point, actually. But very rarely do they concede four goals in a game. Went down to mm. Anfield and only conceded one. <laughs> that actually went to a good one. Uh, 4 4 <laughs> contributed to an absolute action packed week in the Championship. There were, let me just count, 8, 5, 13, 17, 18 goals across four games, including Party at Thistle, who won 3 2 against Queen in the South. Jimmy, Party at Thistle are your ride or die in the Championship this season. I think you were a bit nervous when they went down early, but but your boys, your posh boys, retali- returned well uh, and managed to grind it for a win, didn't they? Yeah, Uncle Ian's uh, done well there over the summer. They've recruited well, and I think Brian Graham, Zach Rudden's partnership up front is obviously going to be a massive source of goals. That's stating the obvious, but they've made some good signings and uh, you know good to get off to win at, at Fir Park, at Fir Park at Fir Hill with the fans back but obviously conceding two to Queen of the South side who, who I didn't really see scoring a lot of goals this season um, maybe not ideal so they might need to tighten up at the back but I haven't seen the goals or anything yet so good to just get the three points and that'll be the first of many three points for the, the mighty Jags this season so it's a bit of a surprise uh, in another game Morton getting a point at home to Dunfermline when we were kind of you were saying the places of Dunfermline on the Championship preview podcast last week about their League Cup run and then potential promotion. Maybe they'll be the team that are going to be coming out as close as challengers. Whereas Morton, every single one of these had them finishing bottom. Yeah. So, a 2 twos is a, You're surprised by that, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, Morton don't score many goals. You know, this was the thing. Um, you know, I said that Morton had obviously lost a lot of their kind of solid defenders and, and Aidan McAdams to, uh, to Air United um, in the summer window. And... Considering it was kind of the defence that kept them up last season, uh, I thought they would struggle. 
But you know, if they can go carry on scoring two goals in every game, they'll probably do all right. But uh, not a great start for Dunfermline. But yeah, yeah, it's a long way to go. You said to this before the podcast, me and Jimmy. You said if you need me to go and talk about League One and League Two, I've got lots of notes. So just <laughs> feed me information for the next <laughs> few minutes. Yeah, well, start off with League One then, obviously. So all four favourites for uh, for the league, that's Falkirk, Cove, Queen's Park and, and East Fife. Uh, eh, not East Fife, Alloa, sorry. Um, all four of them failed to win. Falkirk and Cove obviously drew with each other. Uh, Queen's Park drew with East Fife. And Alloa were turned over by, by Peter Head. So uh, a little bit of a shocker in League One there with kind of none of the favourites getting off to a winning start. Dumbarton kind of struggled last season. I kind of fancied them to, to go down, but they got a, a very good 3-0 victory away from home. They struggled in the League Cup as well, conceded a lot of goals in the League Cup. So a big uh, clean sheet for them, 3-0 win over Clyde for them. And uh, it was another 3-0 win for Montrose away at Airdrie, which was a wee bit of a surprise. So I did start for the mighty move in League 1. Uh, in League 2, Kelty off the winning start, the comfortable odds-on title favourites. Um, 2-0 win over Cowden Beef. Cowden Beef did miss a penalty. But uh, I think on the whole, it was a pretty comfortable start for, for Kelly. Looking for back-to-back promotions, obviously. Sterling won 1-0 at Stenhousemuir. That was the game I was looking forward to the most in League 2. Uh, I was quite impressed with the recruitment that Stenhousemuir had over the summer. Um, but Sterling turned them over 1-0. And I think they'll have a good season. I've got them to finish second behind Kelly Hearts. I think they'll run them the closest. Two even teams, Elgin and Stranraer. They uh, won all point apiece. Hardly a surprise. And then I've got them bottom of the league in the BBC Sports uh, prediction table. They were beaten 2-0 at home to Forfar. And probably the surprise result would be Albion Rovers turning over Edinburgh City by two goals to nil. Albion Rovers were pretty immense last season, to be honest. And Edinburgh City, obviously, one of the title favourites for, for the season behind Kelty as well. So, not a great start for Edinburgh City, really. But uh, a game that was more filled with drama off the pitch with uh, only one linesman uh, being able to run the line in the end due to an injury to the other one and no replacement being able to be drafted in yeah, I think Falkirk is the most notable thing there nine players out isolating that just came back it was a farce that that game went ahead wasn't it yeah it's a disgrace Look, Falkirk summed up uh, all their thoughts in a very lengthy statement but uh, you know I'm not sure it's uh, a very big surprise to be honest from the, the, the governing bodies of this game I think Falkirk said in that statement that they were under, of the understanding that players' health was was the priority and the fact that this game went ahead probably suggests that it's not the priority anymore. Um, mm. But Falkirk can take a point back down the road. That's a very good result for them against one of their rivals. So it's good not to lose any early ground and they'll get those players back. But unfortunately, I don't think this will be the last of kind of COVID issues for teams throughout the season. I think this is going to be the, the story of the season, really. Lovely. Well... I was going to mention Harry Kane, not to not to train him, but you know I think we'll just stick with the whole show being about Scotland today. Who cares about that fancy league down okay. south at the moment? And we'll end it in a nice, nice happy note. A nice talking about fans getting back and how amazing in June ends with COVID's coming back. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> which I think is a lovely way to finish it. So I will thank. Jimmy for being on with me. I thank the two Carols, Muldoon and Macaulay for the first ever appearance. I think you both do a good job. I've been your host, Liam Sinclair. I've done not a good job, but I've done okay. We'll be back on Thursday with Energy Extra Time. Also, if you want to look, we have an Airship Derby podcast preview that's up before the game today, if you want to get excited about that. Two shite bags talking about a game between two ditties. 
It's a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, I think that'll wrap us up. We'll see you next time. <laughs>